everybody, and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today is Marvel Unlimited Monday for the week of September 23rd. And there's actually some really great comics that came out this weekend, so let's jump right into it. Uh, the first comic in the list is Spider-Man Life Story Number 1. This is by Chip Zdarsky, Mark Bagley, John Dell, and Frank D'Armada. And this is actually a really interesting story. This was one of those comics that I was waiting on to come to Marvel Unlimited because the price tag of this comic, and uh, interestingly enough as well, it's it's saying it's 33 pages, which means it's a uh, probably listed as either a 40-page or a 48-page, probably more like a 40-page comic, for $4.99. And I, I don't know why I said I'm not, I don't want to pay $4.99 for what I assumed was a 32-page comic. So it's not. Um, which is weird. I don't know why I thought that. But anyway, it's here. It's on Marvel Unlimited. There's no more waiting to be had. What's interesting about this series, it's a mini-series, and each issue is uh, one decade forward. So this is a really cool concept of what would happen if we followed Spider-Man in real time as opposed to comics time where he never ages or grows up. Sometimes he starts actually de-aging. Well, this story is going to take place in the 1960s, and then the following issues are taking place in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and then the 2010s. So it's a six-issue series. And judging by this first issue... I am all in on this. Obviously, I mean, Chip Zdarsky alone is a perfect uh, reason to pick this up, and then Mark Bagley is just a um, you know a, a cherry on top. And then I'll even point out too, John Dell is uh, or he's the inks. Uh, color art by Frank D'Armada. Uh, the colors in this story really pop. So congratulations to Frank. And then how can we forget VCs Travis Lanham did the letters, but so. This, it, it's really interesting because this story is, uh, it's sort of a condensed version of the first few years of Spider-Man's life in a way that obviously couldn't get uh, told in regular comics. So in this series, we start with the explanation of how he became Spider-Man, which was in 1962. And then this takes place four years later in 1966, and Peter Parker is in college now, which if you guys were around during that time, I don't think Peter Parker was in college in real time 1966. I think he started going to college in the 70s, um, if I'm correct, because I know, I mean, in, like Gwen Stacy is in here, and there's a lot of really great things in here too. Um, Norman Osborn and Harry Osborn are in here. But the big, the big twist on the story is this focuses really heavy, heavily on Vietnam, and that's I thought was a really cool thing to look at. Not only are we dealing with Peter Parker's struggles in real life, but now he's feeling the added pressure of should Spider-Man go to Vietnam because Iron Man is in Vietnam right now, and there's talks of Captain America going into uh, Vietnam, and so he's thinking, well, geez, all these heroes are going, I might as well go too. And then it's set to the backdrop of Flash Thompson's goodbye party where um, he's going to Vietnam. And so there's, I mean, even just Zdarsky just really knows how to write great stories. There's a really great exchange between him and Flash Thompson. And that kind of spirals into something that I was really hoping for towards the end. Uh, and honestly, I'll, and I'll tell you this much because, you know, read it, check, seriously, check this issue out. I'm going to be jumping on this series, no doubt. Uh, but towards the end, I, we get to the part where Peter Parker's at this party at a bar. Norman Osborn's there, and he keeps dropping these hints that he knows he's Spider-Man. 
and I didn't think they would deal with it this quick, but you know, that's, uh, that's the beauty of this being a every decade sort of thing. So he's at the bar and he's like, Hey, basically I know you're Spider-Man. And so they fight and Norman forgets what happened because I guess it's the goblin serum made him forget sort of thing. I haven't seen that angle, but I like it. I thought it was cool, but because of that, he misses out a bit on Flash's party and uh, from there, though, he gets a he gets to have a great conversation with Captain America. And if any of you guys have read the um, Amazing Spider-Man issue during Civil War, where he talks to Captain America, and Captain America gives his his famous speech about uh, it's actually the speech that Sharon Carter gives at uh, Peggy Carter's funeral in Captain America: Civil War, the one about if everyone's telling you to move, you plant your feet like a tree and you say no, you move. So it was nice to for him to get another great conversation with Cap. This one about the Vietnam War, and then uh, there just the ending to this was just so insane. I wasn't expecting this because what happens is he uh, he turns. And if you don't want to hear this, just skip ahead uh, a couple of clicks because this shouldn't take too long. But he uh, he turns Norman Osborn in. He makes an anonymous tip in. And then uh, it's like, oh, shoot, I forgot uh, Flash's train is leaving for him to go to Vietnam. And, um, and, and I should mention this as well, and I, I didn't want to spoil it in the prior part. But um, at the party... Uh, Peter is basically being really mean to Flash and essentially like, yeah, you were a bully my whole life sort of thing. And then Gwen's like, you need to apologize to him because this may be the last time that you see him. Like people are dying in Vietnam. So he apologizes and Flash apologizes for bullying him. But then he's like, why'd you do it, man? Like, why are you going to Vietnam? And Flash is like, because that's what Spider-Man would do. And it's like, you have got to be kidding me. And he's like, oh, Flash. Like, oh, man. He's like, Spider-Man gives like gives his life every day. It's the least I can do sort of thing. So now he sort of feels bad. And he's like, shoot, Flash's um, train's leaving. So he gets to the train station and Gwen's there. And she's like, seriously, Peter, like, what the F? This is like the third time in just this issue that you've bailed on something. What's wrong with you? But what happens is uh, Peter Parker forgot to button up his shirt, and so she see she sees his uh, suit, and she's like, "What's this?" And then that's the end. But then it goes to a little bit ahead in 1967, and Captain America is there, like fighting against the American troops. And I'm really interesting to see how this plays out because you know he's doing it for a good reason. But I was kind of bummed because the the cover of this story is spider-man swinging on the helicopter a helicopter and i could have sworn there was some other picture of that and so when he says i'm gonna miss flash's train the first thing i thought of was oh crap he's gonna uh he's gonna like jump on flash's helicopter as he's flying to vietnam and be like hey buddy good luck in vietnam sort of thing which i can see now would probably be kind of weird but how cool would that be if you're flash thompson to get a visit from spider-man right before you're deploying um but yeah no that was that was a great issue i really enjoyed it uh here's what i'm not I'm not, and this is what i think i'm gonna do if there's an issue that's not super interesting i'm gonna try to keep the story to a minimum and uh, just let you know that it's not interesting that way you don't have to waste your time reading it and that would be wolverine infinity watch this is by jerry duggan with art by Andy McDonald, color art by Jordi Belair, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. Um, it just, it was a, it's weird. I don't know where the story's going, and it seemed like I got, you get thrown right into a situation. Like, okay, I don't even really remember what happened in the last issue, other than one of the uh, Infinity Stones is in the hands of a convict, the Time Stone. 
But in this one, Wolverine and Loki are on a flying Norse boat. And I'm like, what is, why are you on this boat? Like, how did you even get on this boat? And Wolverine has this time bat. And he says that like, oh, there's a time, it's a time bat. And uh, yeah, he says, you can't put your time stone, stop and whammy on me while I got these time diamonds in this bat. And that panel alone, that's when I said, okay, I'm checking out. Like, I I don't know if I can keep reading this one only because, I mean, it, it honestly wasn't even that interesting. There's this giant Chitari warrior trying to get the stones. And then at the very end of it, we see that then the, the fraternity of raptors want to get their hands on the stone. So clearly, Jerry Duggan is just trying to get, um, basically relive the glory days of when he was writing Guardians of the Galaxy and got to talk about the Raptors and the Chitari, and that's all well and good, but this story just did was not did not grab me at all. But uh, we'll move on to a story that is increasingly grabby, and that is Meet the Skrulls. Uh, issue number two came out this week, and it was, I uh, honestly enjoyed it more than issue number one. Still not there yet. I'm still trying to figure out what the plot is. Or, and, and I know what the plot of the story is, but what is the what are these scrolls plotting is what I'm trying to figure out. I know they want to, their goal is to try and turn the earth into the scrolls' home world. But let's be honest, you know that's not going to happen. So what what is going to happen? And so what happened is a it's a, a family drama, like I had said last uh, month, in the same vein of the Vision series, where the Skrull family is trying to pretend to be human, but they all have their own missions. And so we kind of start seeing that get fleshed out in this episode. We learn a little bit more about what the dad has gone through. But then we're trying to follow the two daughters, and one of them is apparently the perfect daughter. She's uh, gung-ho about the mission, and her plan is she's supposed to be stealing something from the safe of one of her friend's parents' house. And so the plan was that she was going to show up there at a party and steal it because the parents were out of town. But the plan gets foiled when she arrives and the parents are actually at the house and there is no party. So she has to get creative and she does a good job. And at the same time, the daughter is trying to uh, infiltrate some other girl's life who she originally wasn't friends with, but she tricks her and uh, that whole situation was interesting too. It's a it's a weird series because, like I said, it's not there's nothing earth shattering that's going on in this series. Like I don't think there's even a single mention of anything Marvel related besides the scroll the fact that they're scrolls. Like there are no superheroes in this series. It's very cloak and dagger without cloak and dagger, obviously. But it's just a very uh, espionage type thing. I would almost akin this to uh, that show The Americans, which I haven't seen, but it's the exact same premise of, of people pretending to be other people to get to meet their ends. And like I said, it's not this isn't a perfect series by any means, but I, I'm really interested in it and I'm really looking forward to this next issue uh, in the next few issues because it's only a mini series, but I'm, I'm just wondering at this point, you know where where is it going? And I know I, I skipped over this, so I'll, I'll briefly jump. I, I ran back and didn't even notice it. Okay, Robbie Thompson wrote this with Nico Henrichon on art, Laurent Grossat on color art, and VCs Travis Lanham on letters. So um, yeah, I, like I said, not bad. I would I would check this series out only again if you liked the Vision series or if you're really into those sort of espionage type uh, stories. So next up, I'm going to do a triple review here. We're going to get, there's three 
awesome X-Men series that came out today. And shockingly, the series that I've been touting as my favorite was actually my least favorite of the three. So the first one is Next Gen, issue two. That is by uh, Ed Brisson with art by Marcus Toe, color art by Jason Keith, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So Next Gen is the one following the students who are in the school in the perfect Age of X-Men world. And they, uh, there's a couple of them that uh, think that there's a little more going on than what it appears. And so this issue opens up with Blob essentially explaining this to Armor. And uh, also Anol, or Anoli, the lizard guy, he's in on it too. He's uh, And we're starting to get the apocalypse and the extracts weaved into this series as well, which I'm really enjoying. But like I said, I, these issues while very separate from each other and i did i say the oh no i didn't say the other one i was gonna say i thought it was something else but it was uh, the other issue is amazing nightcrawler came out this week and we'll get there in a minute but um it's it's just they're all connected like you can't you really can't get the full picture unless you read all of them and i suppose you could probably get away with not doing that but if they're free like this and they're on a, they're on an app like this where you can read them all at the same time i would really recommend it because it's it's been really fun it's in the same same vein of when you're watching a marvel movie and it references other marvel movies like that's always fun and this is one where they're doing that and i almost and i there's a really interesting part in here because they explain that basically if you step out of line or you say something questionable at school you get taken away and everyone kind of forgets what happened like all the students forget and you forget and then it's like if that happens three times you get sent to prison and but no one really talks about that and so they really dive into it even deeper here where there's a panel that they're back at school again watching the news and i swear to you i think this is the exact same news story that played in the last issue which means that they're just having the same propaganda put through their school every single day which is crazy and they go into this here too there's a the rock slide is in this and he's from uh, he's from the new x-men series as well or the young x-men series way back in the day um like 10 years ago but someone's like hey they said uh have you learned a bead? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's what Hope Summers used to give everyone their mutant abilities during the resolution. And Anoli's like, but what happened to it after that? He's like, after? He's like, why is there no record of it after the resolution? And he's like, you know what? I'm not sure. He goes, I'm going to look into it and I'll get back to you. He says, sure, you do that if you can find the answer. And then Rockslide goes to the library and can't find it. And he's like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to find it. You know, talk to the librarian. And she says, yeah, I'll look it up for you. But then you see in a panel that she's writing down, student asking about missing life seed information seems distraught. Report to Dean Angel. And she says, what was your name again? So it's just, there's this really cool undertone to all of these comics. And I talked about this on the last Marvel Unlimited, but it's just this, this feeling that there's something not right. And I don't know why, that's something that always, when I'm watching it in the movies, at this point, point in time it always irritates me because i'm like yeah of course like screaming at the screen of course there's something wrong how can you miss that but for some reason reading it in these things in these books i really enjoy it and i think that's because i know ultimately what's wrong and that's that x-man created a whole new reality 
and I'm forgiving of this series because a lot of the people in each of the series know that something's wrong, as opposed to just everyone being oblivious or just one person being oblivious and they're the or knowing it and being called the crazy person. In this one, at least there's a bunch of people that know it, so it's like you can kind of follow along and you're almost rooting for them to crack the walls open and just destroy this reality because at the end of the day, again, it's gonna happen. These are all miniseries. It all ends, and then it goes into Hickman's run. So there's something that's, and that's, I keep saying it every week, but um, I, I just gotta say it. Like it's, it's just so cool to think that this series is so condensed in that way, but is so uh, fleeting. I guess you could say. Like there's a sense of urgency in all of these issues as you're reading it. Like oh, there's only gonna be so much more time before this reality collapses, and knowing because I am currently reading Hickman's uh, X-Men comics, which are the only X-Men comics out right now, uh, none of these characters are in them. None of the young X-Men are in them. Most of the X-Men are in them, but some of them aren't. Like, uh, I mean, Cyclops right now in the Uncanny X-Men issue this week, he's wearing that 90s Cyclops costume, but uh, in Hickman's run, uh, that's currently going on right now, he's wearing a completely different costume. So it's like, what happened in between those? So I'm really excited to see this as we cruise toward the end so that like i said i enjoyed that one and then the second one again the amazing nightcrawler issue number two and this is by shannon mcguire with art by juan Fergari, color art by dono sanchez almara and letters by vcs travis lanham this one picks up right after the uh, events of last issue which were that nightcrawler slept with his co co-star and I originally, when I saw that in the last issue, I was like, oop, like, uh-oh, that shouldn't have happened in the sense of like, you know, they're going to have to deal with the awkwardness in the morning. But I completely forgot that it can't happen because the X-Men are not allowed to do that. It, again, the whole reality thing, there's, they're not allowed to be together. They're not allowed to be close. And uh, I just think, so that's like, that's so crazy. So there, there's a big conversation about like, oh, we shouldn't tell anybody and they're really nervous about it because everybody, a lot of the people on the cast can read minds. And so they don't dig into it that deeply. But the big the big interesting piece from here is she sends Nightcrawler a note and is like, hey, meet me at this place after work, basically, or whatever. And uh, it's like a nightclub where everybody wears masks. And she's like, well, it's a place for people who want to be together but no one's going to talk because everybody's doing it here. She says, everyone here is at risk, so everyone's safe. And Nightcrawler's like, I don't think I can handle this, and leaves. And then the very end of the issue leaves with a cliffhanger of Mystique showing up at Kurt's uh, apartment saying, hey, Kurt, I can explain everything. And so I don't know what it is, but this this series is is one of those incredibly basic series. Like, I don't think anything really has happened in this series, but I'm still invested in it because each time the cliffhanger is like, ooh, I kind of want to know what's going on there. That and, again, it's tying into the overarching storyline of the Age of X-Men. Uh, but yeah, so I enjoyed that one as well. Next up, we got Guardians of the Galaxy issue number three. This is going to be a brief review because I've already read this, and I'm just going to buzz through this one because we all know who's on this. This is Donny Cates writing with Josh, Jeff Shaw on art, Marte Gracia on color art, and VCs Corey Petit. Interestingly enough, Marte Gracia is doing uh, the Uncanny or the X Men series. So that's actually really funny because as I'm looking at this art, uh, it does kind of have that same color palette as uh, the X-Men books. But yeah, so we're on issue three of Guardians. 
They're still trying to figure out who uh, Thanos has put his consciousness into. And at this point, they're all trying to kill Gamora. They think it's Gamora. And what is happening with Annihilus? Oh, okay. So the legion of bad guys that are run by Hela, it's Hela and the Black Order, basically. They are in the negative zone, and they are just wreaking havoc in the negative zone. And she uh, she almost kills Annihilus, and she, which is insane. That's badass. I forgot about that. This issue is really cool. So yeah, I would. If you're not on Guardians yet, you got to get on it because it's so. I mean, you've got you've got Hela in here. Now you've got Gladiator and Nova and Wraith. Oh man, Wraith, this is crazy. He says, uh, oh, he's fighting Nova, and Wraith says, understood, and he says. This one knows you. You fought bravely in the Annihilation Wars. Perhaps you do not remember me. I am known as Wraith. Born Kree, made more. I cannot die. I do not tire. I do not feel pain. I wish you no true harm, Nova. You are a means to an end. I search for Null, the Exelon God, so that I may free myself from his black curse. The Star Fox has promised information for the head of the Mad Titan's daughter, I will be sad to see you fall, but I will do what I, and then someone tries to stop him. So that's actually really interesting. I forgot about that. So Wraith has been like a, he's like a C-level character in this series. He's been, he was in the last issue, kind of in the background, said a couple words. I forgot. So Donny Cates, this is official. He has tied Wraith's power and Wraith's power set and backstory to Null, the god of the symbiotes from his Venom run. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry, I just got a little excited. So Wraith is from the Annihilation series. So the um, I believe it was the Annihilation Conquest series. Uh, he's in uh, his own little mini-series within it. It's like Annihilation, Conquest, Wraith. It's a four-issue series, but even that series was really cool. So if you're a fan of those really dark, badass-looking rock star characters, he's one of them. Check out this issue. And then, boom, next, next, next page is Cosmic Ghost Rider. Like this... He, Cates has done such a good job of weaving in so many cool characters. And you got Groot with all the Groots, Beta Ray Bill, and uh, what happens by the end of this issue? Uh, ooh. Oh, the end of this issue is just we kind of see where Gamora is. So they're getting there. I think the next issue we find out what uh, who uh, Thanos has uploaded his consciousness into. The first six issues is about it, so it very well could be in the sixth issue. But that's a really great series, and I would recommend checking that one out. The next one's also another one that I've read, which is Captain Marvel issue number three. That's by Kelly Thompson and uh, uh, Carmen Carnero with color art by Tamara Bonvalin and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is the third issue in this re-entry storyline where she is inside a bubble that apparently only women can come into that uh, it's either radio. I think it's radioactive, man. It's tough. I should be rereading these, but I just get so caught up in the new issues that I haven't read. But uh, in this one, we find out that the radioactive man or whatever, his the nuclear man, I think is who it is, his son is, is it's his son. One of the characters in their squad is his son, and they didn't know that. It was basically like he was a plant. But I guess his son knows, and he's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm on your guys' side, basically. And then by the end of this issue is the infamous where Rogue shows up. And so if you're a fan of the whole Captain Marvel Rogue situation where Rogue took Captain Marvel's powers... This issue deals with that a little bit in the next issue, in issue four. Uh, Miles Morales, issue four. This was one of my favorite issues of the week. 
the cover of it. I thought initially that this guy on the cover was like a bad guy, but it's Miles's vice principal at school. And I commend any squad of creators for creating a superhero comic dealing with regular Joe Schmo life stuff. And because it doesn't happen often, right? Like it always seems like there's always something going on. Like, ah, oh, Spider-Man can never catch a break. And while that still is the case in this issue, this still is an, a one and done issue of Miles Morales, not Spider-Man. So let's get into it. Uh, written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Javier Garon, color art by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. So, um, like I said, it, it starts with. He says, it's uh, the vice principal. He's like, I know Miles' secret. He's been hiding something. I know what it is. He's been skipping school, and I'm going to prove it. And so that's the, that is the uh, storyline for this. And honestly, I don't even want to spoil a lot in this one for you guys because this is a really fun read because that's all the issue is, is him, the vice principal, trying to catch Miles uh, skipping school, which is funny because on the day that he's deciding to do so, he is actually skipping school because his friend, they want to go to the um the museum the brooklyn museum because they have a hip-hop museum up there like they're like oh yeah there's like the handwritten biggie lyrics that he wrote are in there like we gotta check it out and so they they get gonk who is sick to pretend that they're sick and they go on this thing and at the same time we kind of get some forward momentum with miles and barbara his uh who hoped to be girlfriend we get some major milestones in this issue for it but at the same time we also get it's it's funny to see the vice principal like does not like Miles and yeah you find out he really just doesn't like students he's like a, a marine type guy but everyone else loves Miles and like like this she he says Luis I'm and he says this to the secretary Luis I'm going to show this Miles Morales that he's not as smart as he thinks he is and she says but Lyle don't we want our students to be smart and then uh, there's this other spot where she's like, oh, Miles like helped me do this without even asking. And he like tries to bust Miles in one of his classes. And the teacher's like, actually, Miles is a really great student. He's like, I don't buy it. And so it's a it's a really fun issue. And by the end of it, obviously, you know, you get to the whole up there, you know, no rest for the, the wicked for Spider-Man. But uh, it was still nice to see that the main bad guy of this is just Miles's vice principal. And, you know, all the hijinks you'd hope for ensue in that issue. So I would recommend checking that one out. Again, because it's only a one and done. Uh, next up, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, issue number four. This is by Tom Taylor with art by Juan Cabal. And uh, Douglas Franchin is the finisher on a couple pages with uh, Nolan Woodard on color art and VCs Travis Lanham on letters. So this is, uh, it's not the final because typically these stories are either five or six, but it's part four and it's sort of the final. We, uh, um, and I'm going to talk spoilers on this one. So if you want to skip ahead, that's fine. If not, I, they're not the biggest spoilers. It's just more because it's really interesting to talk about. And before I even say anything, guys, the art is killer. The art is insane. Juan Cabal is a genius and I really hope he does more stuff. And I really hope that he tag teams it with Nolan Woodard because the mix of them is, is really good with the colors. But so Spider-Man saved the kids from the last issue, the kids from the underground New York, and along with that person, the rumor, the old lady, and then Johnny Storm, uh, Human Torch. Which again, kudos to Tom Taylor for bringing him in, because anytime that you get to see Spider-Man and Human Torch interact, because they're BFFs, it's always nice to see them interact. But so he saves the kids, but then they're like, uh-oh, there's bad guys coming, like they're coming to get the kids. 
And so he makes a call to his detective friend who's like, "Uh uh-oh, we'll we'll get on it. She alerts her boss, the chief of police in New York, and he says, "Um, we have orders to not go to that location. And he's like, whose orders? And she's like, so we serve and protect unless someone tells us not to. And it's like, interesting. So we wonder who that, I wonder who that could be. So this guy, the guy who's like the grandfather of them, the leader of the underground people is like, I want, you know, I want my kids back. And there's some really beautiful, beautiful panels on here, particularly one with a cat scratch. So uh, Spider-Man confirmed Spider-Man has cat scratch fever in this episode. But, uh, uh, essentially, this is the reason why this series is called Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. So they're fighting him, but then all of the people in the neighborhood, they're like, hey, man, stop it. Like, you need to stop this, or we're going to beat you up too. And then guess who's here but uh, Kingpin. So, hmm, I wonder who made the phone call to the police. Yeah, it was the Kingpin. And he says, it's time to put a stop to this uh, and turn over the under-Yorkers. He says, I don't have them. The kids aren't here. He basically lies to them and tells them the kids aren't here, but... He says, because uh, at this point you can tell that the king, kingpin is, uh, um, you know, kind of in league with this guy. And so Spider-Man gets on this boom mic and says, we're all so grateful to the mayor for stepping up for his city. And he just looks at Spider-Man and says, all right, it's time to go, Hale. And he says, what? We have an arrangement. And he says, we'll talk later. And then like sends them down. So it's like, God, even kingpin even has his claws in uh in the underground new york like you have got to be kidding me but the the issue ends with uh, aunt may confronting peter about her cancer because the big issue is this next issue issue five i guess is the talk but this issue is her saying i need there's something i need to tell you so we're getting there guys we're getting to that big conversation because at this point we honestly and that we've seen it all guys we've seen aunt may die one way or another we've seen her heart broken we've seen her spouses die multiple times like what more can you put this woman through like why can't we just let her have her day in the sun why can't aunt may just get bit by a radioactive crow and she then has the proportionate speed and strength and flight of a crow and uh uh, she has powers. She gets long life. She can heal. Basically, it would just be really nice if Aunt May could catch a break because despite what people may say about Peter the Parker luck, no more apparent is that than an May Parker because she gets all the bad luck. And that's just, that's just, I guess, the way of the world. It's just the Parker luck. Next up, Avengers No Road Home. Uh, this is issue number six. Written by Jim Zub, Mark Wade, Al Ewing, art by Sean Azoxi, color art by John David J. David Ramos with Marcio Menez, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. Guys, this issue is an extra long issue, and you guaranteed you will feel it in the best way. I was cruising through this issue, and I was like, wait, it's still going? No way, no way. It's still I just asked that myself like at least 3 times like how long is this and I I couldn't I didn't want to check how long but it's it's 34 pages. So it's essentially a, a, an extra sized issue and that's because it's the Conan issue, the Conan issue. And uh so like I said every issue is narrated by someone different. This issue is narrated by the Conan narrator. So not Conan, but like the witch's nightmares grow worse the barbarian's hand grips his sword hilt tight as the witch screams awakened by visions that cut her to the quick like these are so good so basically the entire issue is conan and uh, scarlet witch teaming up 
in Samaria to find that sh- that soul shard, that night shard of Nyx. And then there's a very interspersed cut of Hulk getting the shard from, uh, what's his name? Like Heliops or uh, Hypnos, Hypnos. He kills Hypnos and they acknowledge that. Hawkeye says, you, and this again, I'll say, I'm going to say it every week as long as he's in here. But if you're a fan of Immortal Hulk, you're going to get lines like this. You, you killed him, Hypnos. You just snapped his neck. And then Hulk says, yeah, I should have hidden a tree and shot him with an arrow while he was a 90-pound scientist. That's how a real Avenger does it, right? Because that's what Hawkeye did to Bruce Banner. Like, holy cow, he is calling him out. But then Hulk breaks the shard and turns into, like, a monster that looks kind of like the Grey Hulk. I don't know where it's coming, but Conan says he's a creature of Krom. But uh, we then get to this point where they finally end up finding the shard. And, uh, and it's a long way to get there. But of course, the whole time Scarlet Witch is like, hey, you can't let me even look at this shard. Otherwise, Nyx will see it because she took my eyes so she can see what I see. So they end up going through all the trouble of buying this uh, scarf or it ends up it was a cloak. They turned it into a scarf to cover her eyes. But some dumb woman grabs it like she's like one of the, she was one of the the like captured people there and she's like hello help me whoever you are please i'll pay you take this it's their treasure and scarlet witch doesn't know what it is she and so she plops in her hand the minute it hits her hand nix is like boom we know exactly where they are let's go get him and then that's the end of the issue so it's like you have got to be kidding me of course of course there would be some sort of complication such as that but uh, it just makes me more excited to read the next issue. And we've still got another six issues. We're at the halfway point, guys. All right. Next up is Thor, issue number 11 by Jason Aaron with guest art by Lee Garbett. And then uh, guest colors by Antonio Fabella with uh, letters and production by VC's Joe Sabino. So this issue is, and, and I, like I've said before, oh, yeah, this is, this is a really sweet issue. I've heard some people talking crap about this issue, but this is a great issue. It's an issue dedicated strictly to Thor and his mom, and it is just about them getting to save the day, and we get to see why his mom is such a badass. I mean, she gets to wield a hammer, and she commands like the light. She just does a bunch of really cool stuff, and if you haven't um, if you haven't been following along on Thor, I would almost say this is a really good jumping on point because it's right before War of the Realms. And uh, like I said, this really doesn't have a lot of ramifications on Thor's end. But if the last issue, I, I think was the last one, was all about Thor and his dad. And then this issue is all about Thor and his mom. So it's just really cool that Jason Aaron got the chance to tell a very um, succinct story about that, and it is definitely worth the read, in my opinion. Another issue that I've read uh, in advance as well, or when it came out as a comic, is uh, Venom issue number 12, and that's going to be by, and for some reason my app is refusing to load these comics, I have to whip it out on my phone, but I can. I know these guys by heart, guys, we all know them by heart, written by Donnie Cates, Art by Ryan Stegman, color art by um, J.P. Mayer, and and or inks by J.P. Mayer, and colors by Frank Martin. So uh, this issue is like the final wrap-up issue of the initial Venom arc. So like I said, most arcs are six issues, but then there's usually like an overarching arc 
that takes place over 12 issues. Because like in this one, for example, there's a Venom hardcover that collects Venom 1 through 12. And so uh, this one... Oh, no, actually, and I uh, I apologize to all involved. Issue number 12 is written by Donnie Cates with art by Joshua Cassara, color art by Rain Burrito, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. They must have been taking a break. But this issue reveals quite a bit about what's going on with Eddie Brock and also about Dylan a bit, about some of the past about Dylan. And we get to see kind of um, Eddie's first reactions with his father when he was a venom symbiote or when he first was there's just every issue of this has been so good and i'll I'll be honest this section is kind of was a weaker point in my eyes because donnie's trying to wrap this up before war of the realms because cullen bunn was writing venom during war of the realms and because donnie cates was taking a break and and obviously so he's got a lot going on but uh Yeah, so, I mean, if you're already reading Venom, most of you probably are because it's that great of a series. If you haven't, you now have the first 12 issues of Venom. So you could start at issue number one, read through 12, and it's a a full story. And the ending of this, it just says, next up, War of the Realms. And the War of the Realms series is really good, too. It's only three issues, and we'll review it as it comes in. But um, this one through 12 is just a standout of probably one of, in my opinion, the best Venom stories of all time. Next up is Uncanny X-Men, issue number 14. So yeah, like I said, um, a little disappointed in this issue. Written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Salvador LaRocca, color art by Guru EFX, and then letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. So it was just a weird issue. I didn't really know what was going on. They're kind of trying to take out some of the bad guys on their list. But now Dark Beast is alive. I thought he died. And they're with the Morlocks again, but I thought they were already with the Morlocks. And then by the end of that, they find a new home for some of the war, the Morlocks in like this winter area, Chimera, uh, Chernea. Not familiar with it. There's, but there's some badass fight scenes in here. Like there's a really cool scene with magic and some really cool panels with the whole squad. And then by the end of it, we get a interesting cameo that will definitely make this next issue more interesting. But honestly, that's all I can say about this one. It it, uh, didn't impress me, and I was kind of bummed. I'm glad I read it last. It has no connection to the Age of X-Men once in terms of last of the X-Men comics. But um, yeah, it just... I don't know. It dipped, and you know what? Some, some. It happens sometimes. There's, there's always going to be some down issues in the. There's always going to be a brown egg in a basket of beautiful whites, uh, and that is a quote from uh, Tim and Eric. If you haven't watched that show, check it out because it is absolutely hilarious. It's actually from not from Tim and Eric. That's gonna. Well, it's from Tim and Eric, but it's on the HBO series. Um. Oh, man, I forget what the name of it is, but it was like a TV show. It was like a skit show series on HBO. Uh, oh, no, it was it was Funny or Die. I think it was Funny or Die. It was the original Funny or Die. Uh, you're going to have to correct me on my math on that one. Uh, but we're going to move on to Bigger and Better Things, which is the Immortal Hulk, issue 15, by Al Ewing and Joe Bennett, and then uh, Rui Jose and Paul Mounts on colors and uh, inks. So this one immediately started... Again, this... I said that Spider-Man was one of my favorites of the week. And Mortal Hulk is my favorite of the week. And I, it's, it's hard to have a week without it being my favorite of the week. But just this quote alone at the beginning. This is by Albert Camus. You will never live if you are looking for the meaning of life. That is a really cool quote. And something 
I struggle with because I'm constantly wondering what the meaning of life is. And consequently, I do notice that I don't really do a lot of living. And uh, so I think that is, there's something to be said about the quote. And uh, that's probably where we'll leave it because unlike Doc Sampson in this issue, I am not under a psyche valve right now, so I don't have to talk. But uh, yeah, this is a really, really good issue that details, essentially, if you are wondering what was going on with Doc Sampson or if you don't even know who Doc Sampson is, this, it, it explains it. It goes through a little bit of his history, a little bit of what he did for Bruce Banner, how he came back from the dead, and what he's been doing since then. And then even then, it kind of details a lot of the current events. It, it, it goes over the whole Bruce Banner thing, the whole Amadeus Cho taking over as the Hulk. And then even better than that, we flash forward to from where we were last episode issue of uh, him. He essentially stopped the Hulk from killing that sniper guy who got away. And so he's trying to reason with the Hulk, but then he eventually, they eventually get to talking and uh, he's explaining to him like who he is and, and who he is as the Hulk. And, and Doc's like, you know, there's, he said, Bruce mentioned a persona like that once. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Hulk's like, what is this anyway? A couch session? He says, maybe, but let's talk about being let loose and locked away. Bruce mentioned a persona like that once a Hulk he had to actively lock away in his mind, a devil Hulk, a demonic, satanic personality that he kept caged inside him. And um, he basically says, uh, are you the devil Hulk? And he says, what, you only just figured that out? Come on, if we're com- if you're coming, we got somewhere to be. And then they start leaping through the skies as they talk. And he says, you're a shrink, Samson. You know about projection. Deep down inside, he's still that kid. A little kid who can't imagine pain without love. He got scared of me, what I was, what I brought out of him. Figured he couldn't listen to me. Suddenly, I'm a big snake. I'm a big snake guy, and everything I say comes out creepy. I blame Sunday school. He says, well, I've still got questions, Hulk, and there's things I need to know, but I'm glad you're not here for the end of the world. Oh, yeah, and here's why this is my favorite of the week. Hulk says... Hmm, exactly. That's exactly what I'm here to do, Samson. The human world needs to go. And we get this beautiful two-page spread showing all this destruction with a beautiful Hulk. This is, if Al Ewing wasn't trying to be the uh, what we need right now in terms of climate change and all the problems befalling our planet, you you'd know he is now for sure. Here's what he says. Let's start with the nukes. The president can end all life in minutes, and the whole system's designed to make it that easy. Can't have anything get in the way of Armageddon, right? You know how close we've come over a radar glitch? Because those days are back. Check your phone. Maybe it's happening now. Or maybe it won't even matter. The planet's already boiling to death. Wildfires, hurricanes, whole chunks of the food chain dying off. Every time you hear about it, it's worse. Less time, less hope, but the humans in charge pretend they don't even believe it. Because if they did, it'd mean they'd been wrong, and humans are too weak to ever admit that. Too puny. You wonder why I'm angry? You want to know why I want to end the world, the human world, Samson? Because if I do it, maybe some of them will live. And that is a really cool... I liked that, because he's 100% right. Um... People in power and a lot of the older generations don't get it. They, It's like they see it, but they don't want to acknowledge it. And maybe that's because they're not going to be around to deal with it or because they're too scared or too puny to acknowledge it. But the world is getting a lot worse. 
and there's a lot of terrible tragedies going on on the planet right now and it's it's crazy to think that even the hulk believes that and so he said so samson says oof so essentially what you're saying is you're the green hulk and he says do you think this is funny and so uh by the end of this though they arrive at a cemetery he's like what are we doing here at the cemetery and rick jones is alive or his his grave is empty and so we're getting to this theme of all of these people affected by the hulk rick jones betty uh, betty betty banner or betty ross whatever you want to call her um and doc samson they're all coming back to life like they're not staying dead so there's something going on there but i think that is just really cool and i was really happy to see that in the mortal hulk uh just dealing with that sort of stuff i always love when my comic books deal with things that are going on in the world right now and that's what marvel's famous for the world right outside your window and i think this is the final issue that we're going to talk about yep it is and this is another one that i've read so this will be a little quick it's the finale to the avengers avengers the kingdom of the vampires by jason aaron and david marquez with color art by eric arcianega and letters by vcs clayton cowles so like i said this is the final episode they let uh after they've gotten everything they needed from dracula they let him go they let him leave and the avengers are fighting the rest of them there's a bad ass panel of blade getting the sound say avengers assemble which was great but then they just beat the holy crap out of all of these vampires they finally come out on top and the best part about this issue that i was the most interested in and i really want to talk about is this last uh yep, yep, yep yeah it's just the last two and it's something that this is a spoiler so at this point if you don't want to be spoiled by this thank you so much for listening to this issue or this episode and i look forward to speaking with you guys on the next one but if if you uh, want to hear this spoiler uh after the legion of vampires finished uh dracula is kind of chilling at this point basically hanging out on the edges of the unknown and this is after um essentially how they got they beat it is blade beheads the the vampire leader guy the guy in the um gas mask and so dracula comes up to him and says he says it was a dampire blade it was the dampire blade who did this to him but the colonel did his part we believe he still deserves a place in the new kingdom that's what some of the other people are saying he says that is for me to judge after all he is my son and you're like, whoa, what? And so he picks up the vampire head and the vampire head's still alive. He says, father, is this it? Is this the promised land I see? It's, it's beautiful. He says, yes, Zarius, you did well, boy, and tosses his head behind him. You all did exactly as I wanted. We are free now, free to rebuild, stronger than ever. Welcome home, my bloody disciples. Welcome to the kingdom of the vampires. So that's the end. So essentially, as we all thought, uh, Dracula tricked the trickers and purposely wanted to get arrested and to have all that stuff happen to him so that he could get a brand new kingdom. And they, I believe, if I remember correctly, they gave, I'm gonna have to check in here, but they gave him Chernobyl. I think they just gave him Chernobyl because they're like, we're not, um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it says Chernobyl, this land is scarred irradiated abandoned sending me here was the russians idea of a joke but i am not laughing yeah they're basically like yeah you can you can have chernobyl as your kingdom like go for it i gotta find that part too but um yeah welcome to your new home count don't let the looks of it fool you it's exactly what you asked for he says uh yeah so we'll get to that back part because like i said I, i think it's worth explaining 
But he says, sending me here was the idea of a joke, but I'm not laughing. They thought this land would be Dracula's coffin. Perhaps they forgot what vampires do with coffins. And it's like, oh, so I, I, I would... I would pay to read a series that is just the vampire series. I don't know. I haven't mentioned this before, but I'm a huge fan of uh, monsters, and I'm a big, 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 big fan of Dracula, especially Marvel's Dracula. I read, I've read a lot of the old Dracula issues. The Gene, I believe it's Gene Colan, but uh, there was also a really cool during the heroic age. Uh, it was around like 2010 or so. There was a Dracula one-shot that was really good as well. And then this whole that's why this whole vampire thing has been really fun to watch. This whole vampire run of Jason Aaron's, but it has come to an end. And so has this podcast. So, guys, for comics and cinema, thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Alex Klein. Enjoy reading these comics. <laughs>